What's up, guys, people? I'm your host, Jay Will. This is Inspire Guys People, where we balance faith and business to guide you to your purpose. Welcome to 179, episode 179. I can't talk, people. We starting off the show right now. I got to show you. I can talk. It's all good. Um, this is episode 179, entitled What You Don't Know Can Hurt You. And today, the topics we're going to cover is why I believe that education and learning is the number one first step to finding your purpose. We're going to talk a little bit about cancel culture, maybe slip in some Kanye West. You know, I made a post about that this week, so we'll dig into some of my posts. We're going to talk about this concept that freedom is dangerous. Also made a short clip on YouTube uh, earlier this week, uh, just breaking down uh, the day the slaves were freed, according to Booker T. Washington in his book, Up From Slavery. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Then we might dig into... Uh, the parable of the talents in the Bible, that's Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. But for now, you're going to check out this intro. You know what I'm saying? This new intro is the first time the video intro that uh, I actually edited about two weeks ago. You're going to check that out and then we're going to jump into the show. So uh, let's do it. Stop saying what you're going to do till you do what you said. When you opened that Bible, you knew what you read. Yo, that's, hey, I feel good. That's the first time we aired the uh, video intro. I mean, y'all saw it, but you know, having it as part of the show is dope. I'm excited about that. We continue to grow this show. So look, if you like this content that we're going to talk about today, like, subscribe, YouTube. That's where a lot, I'm pushing a lot of the content. Of course, we got my Apple podcast. I can talk. Apple podcast family. Uh, shout out to everybody that rocks with the show on audio and has been doing so for four plus years. We got over 180 episodes on Apple Podcasts, a bunch of interviews with CEOs, entrepreneurs, a little bit of everybody. So you want to check that out. But today is all about what you don't know can hurt you you feel what i'm saying yo what up what up tanya that's what we do baby straight from church gala gala you know suited up to to this pops what up all right so pete thank you thank you i appreciate it so today is all about what you don't know can hurt you so we all know that there's this idea cliche whatever you want to call it um of what you don't know can't hurt you and I want to challenge that a little bit. Um, I believe that the first step to finding your purpose, right? So we got this, like most people are walking around trying to find their purpose in life today. And I believe the first step to doing that is education, learning, and literacy. So first and foremost, let me say, this is a faith in business podcast. So I tend to jump on topics that are across sometimes the Bible and a lot of times in business, finances, the economy, things like that. So we're going to talk about why learning is important in both of those. Let's first start you know what I'm saying? With the Bible, with, you know, my saved people, my Christians out there. Uh, why is it important um, to know something, to learn and to be educated? Well, it's real simple, right? When you think about the Bible, it's important to understand the proper doctrine of the Bible, because I'm going to be I'm going to keep it all the way 100 with y'all right now. It's a lot of people, a lot of weird like things being said, like all you need now is just like I'm doing really a camera, throw it on. You can use your phone, whatever. You can upload it to YouTube and Facebook and you can talk as crazy as you want to talk, right? And so it's important for a lot of us out there 
to be equipped with the word of God ourselves so that we not believe in every little video on YouTube that floats around um, that gets popular. And I think what happens in this culture today is that we mix up popularity with truth. So the moment that something becomes popular and a bunch of people amen it or like it, especially if it's people that are celebrities or people that you follow or admire or they're influencers, when they like something, you just jump on a bandwagon. And I've seen this happen a lot of times in the world today where it's like, you know, some video or meme or whatever it is, is TikTok is floating around and it's two million people uh, sharing it and liking it. And people take that as the truth. And really all that's happening a lot of times is that the person is speaking a message that connects with your emotions. And again, when you learn the word of God for what it really is and learn a proper way to, to dig into and study the Bible, you end up realizing your emotions ain't always the truth, fam. That's just me being real. Like my emotions ain't always true. So yeah, some celebrity can jump on Instagram and say something that in my flesh, I agree with it. But according to the word of God, it may not be true. So it's important to know to protect yourself spiritually. You know, the Bible says to try the spirit by the spirit. But how are you going to try spirit by the spirit if you don't know the spirit? And that's what a lot of us are doing is like we're we're circulating these ideas and these thoughts that feel good when we don't realize that like, yo, it's a proper way to read and understand the Bible. Now, I'm going to say this. And I didn't even like I don't I can't keep up with everything. I'm just too busy. But I know there was a video, I think, floating around YouTube this week. And look, don't if I'm wrong about it, I didn't watch it myself. But at least from what I understand, it was like some pastor or something was saying that Adam didn't name the animals and all this stuff. And it's like people was like, yeah, like and that's the kind of weird stuff I'm talking about. Again, no offense, homie, if you're out there and you see this, I'm not saying you said it. I just heard that you said it. I don't have time to watch all this stuff. But my point is, if that's the case, look, man, when people go out here talking crazy and just because it sounds good and it's in front of a thousand people or a bunch of people screaming and saying, hey, man, it don't make it true. So that's my point with that. As it relates to the word of God in the Bible, what you don't know can hurt you because you will find yourself being manipulated. And then what ends up happening is like you get this idea of like church hurt. Right. So church hurt is something that we all hear about or have heard about or know about. And I think part of the problem with that is if I'm just being real, can I like, can I just be all the way real with y'all? That's what we do on this podcast. Like sometimes it's your own ignorance that's causing the hurt. Now, like, ooh, that's thing. I'm not saying that's always the case. I'm saying that sometimes your ignorance is what allows you to be manipulated in general in life, period. That's why we live and we learn. And when you know better, you do better. And so my point is, it doesn't make whoever is responsible for the church hurt. Um, it doesn't make that OK because they're in a position of leadership. Right. And a lot of times people manipulate that position. And this is a very tricky um, subject and a tricky thing. So I'm not going to dig deep into it. But what all I'm really trying to say is like in the world we live in today and really always you, you need to know the Lord for yourself. You need to be reading the Bible yourself so that you can what? Do what the Bible says and try the spirit by the spirit. Like, but you got to know that the word says that, right? You have to know the word to be able to um, use it as a shield against false doctrine. And it's so many people that just say what feel good and they lead you astray. And then you mad at them. And I'm not saying they're not responsible. I'm not relieving them of that responsibility. You feel what I'm saying? 
But what I'm saying is that you own some of that responsibility too. And sometimes it's our own ignorance that allows us to continue to be taken advantage of. And so we have to know so that we can be better, right? And to protect ourselves sometimes from whatever hurt. Now, again, that's a loaded topic. So don't, don't allow yourself to be triggered by the fact that I said church hurt. Cause sometimes you talk about a topic that like somebody's super passionate about and they like miss the point cause they focus on that. So let's move past that, right? In business, it's really important to know because what you don't know can hurt you, right? So a lot of people don't realize you are in business. If you have a job, you're in business. I don't care where you work. Like you are in business. And one of the things that happen, especially in poverty, um, and again, I come from poverty. So I'm speaking about this through experience. A lot of times through poverty, what happens is we don't actually know the extent that we're into a business deal or in a partnership or a relationship. And so what comes to mind as an example is like uh, Dave Chappelle. So, and this is just one example because you hear a lot of celebrities or artists talk about like, yo, I was in a bad deal or A, B, and C, or this company manipulated me, this business manipulated me. And I remember Dave Chappelle talking a little bit about his Comedy Central days and saying like he signed a bad contract and they knew it, they took advantage of him. I talked about this a little bit last year. The reality of it is they may be wrong so we're not dealing with how wrong they are or not, but Dave owns some of that responsibility. Like it's your responsibility when you sign your name on something like what you don't know can hurt you. So if you don't know and you don't realize this is a business relationship, these people don't love me. They don't care about me. They don't. When it comes down to court or a situation, they're going to take me to court. They're going to take my money. They're going to put my show out. I'm not going to get the residuals or the royalties. So many times, man, we allow ourselves to remain ignorant. So we keep signing bad deals. And then what happens is we get mad at the company for doing what they said they were going to do in black and white on paper. When you sign an agreement, it's your responsibility to read it. It doesn't mean that I'm saying the company isn't wrong for being manipulative. But what I'm saying is what you don't know can hurt you. So if you don't know business and you're engaging in business relationships and partnerships, it can hurt you. And we see this time and time again and we get mad at the companies, but you got to understand your leverage. Now, here's the other thing I will say. Leverage is a part of this. So you're not always going to get back. So let's use Dave Chappelle as an example. Right. We're just talking about business. Whether you like Dave Chappelle or not, doesn't this that doesn't affect the, the content of this conversation. If you look at the Dave Chappelle situation from a business perspective, he signed a bad business deal. He admitted to that. I heard him say that himself. Like, I signed a bad, bad business deal. So here's the first thing we got to do in business is we got to take accountability. You got to look at yourself in the mirror and say, yo, regardless of whatever, I signed that piece of paper. Nobody held a gun to my head. But here's the other part of it, y'all, that we overlook sometimes. Sometimes what you got out of it wasn't the money because let's be real dave chappelle signed that deal with comedy central central and he blows up so at the end of the day maybe the monetary value directly into your bank account wasn't what it should have been but you were able to leverage the situation that's what business is really about is two parties really looking to leverage as much as they can off of each other and i think the problem with us is we enter business 
relationships and partnerships thinking that it's a friendship. Like, and that's why you see so many artists that chase record deals. That That's like, they chase record deals thinking a record deal is something that is not. Like a record deal is a loan. That's really what it is. It's a company saying, it's just like going, go, a record deal is just like you going to try to get a mortgage. They're looking at your credit history, your background, and your reputation financially and saying, based on everything we see, we believe that we can loan you $700,000 to go and get a house. And if you don't pay it, we want our money back. I never went to a bank to get a loan or a mortgage and thought I was dealing with my friends. They want their money. They want something out of me. But here's the thing. I'm also looking to leverage something out of them. I'm saying, okay, I don't have the cash or don't want to take the cash to spend the amount to get this house today. So I'm going to leverage the money you're going to give me, right? I'm going to pay you back in smaller increments so that I can have a place to live. That's business. If I miss a payment long enough, however long, I know I never missed the house payment. So, you know, ever. So it's like, thank God. So I don't know how it worked, but I'm sure at some point you go to foreclosure. Like at some point they taking you to foreclosure, regardless if you a nice guy, uh, regardless if you just friendly. Yo, what up, family from Texas? Thank you. Thank you for checking out the show. They don't care, though, when they want their money back. Like you nice. Your, you, your wife fry good chicken. You cut the grass real good. Um, you know, you're you're a great guy. You know, you got good hair. Whatever it is, nobody cares when it's time for that. So let's, what's the point that I'm saying? I'm saying that at some point we gotta, we gotta own, take accountability for our own lives and learn how to operate. Again, whether it's the word of God, we need to learn the word of God for ourselves, seek the Lord for ourselves so he can put us under the right leadership, the right pastor, someone that we can trust and we know is leading us where God has taken us. But we can also filter what we know about the word of God ourselves. And we could use that as a barometer to say, is this person operating like I see in the Bible, according to God's will and purpose for my life? And then now that you know better, you could do better and you can also hold them accountable. And in the same way in business, the more you learn, then now you can start making better business decisions versus continuing to be in a cycle. You feel what I'm saying? So what you don't know can't hurt you. All right, let's jump to the next topic. I want to talk a little bit about cancel culture. And this is really along the same lines because, like I heard, you got you had the news with Kanye this week. So let me say this. I want to talk about cancel culture and Kanye separate from whether or not what he said was offensive. That's not what we're dealing with. So let's just talk about the topic. I didn't hear everything he said, first of all. I heard some of it. But I just don't have time to watch all these interviews and keep up with these videos. I don't. I'm sorry. But let's just assume that what he said was the worst thing you could say. Right. So I saw that he said um, some some racial things uh, negatively about Jews, which are cool. That's wrong. Just like I'm black. I've heard, you know, people say bad things about black people. That's wrong. So we're not dealing with whether or not we're not here to justify Kanye's comments right wrong or indifferent I didn't follow him enough to know I'm just gonna assume that he said the equivalent of the n-word all right so let's do that because I've heard as a black person 
uh, Robert Sarver, who's the owner of the Phoenix Suns, um, Donald Sterling, who was the former owner of the Los Angeles Clippers, and many more uh, CEOs and owners and billionaires and rich people in the world, celebrities, whatever it may be, have used racial slurs against black people. And I'm a black person. Um, so as you can imagine, that's offensive. I don't like that. So let's assume Kanye said the equivalent of the N-word or worse. Now let's put that aside. We got to compartmentalize this conversation because one of the ways that we end up, I think, at illogical conclusions is that we're trying to mash everything together. And these are very nuanced conversations with multiple layers. And it's very challenging, especially publicly, to engage these conversations about these topics because everybody is so emotionally triggered and charged. And so if you just take that and set that aside, and let's just say he did the worst thing. All right. Secondly, I'm hearing or seeing that he lost all of these partnerships. So whether it be with Adidas and I think Chase Bank no longer allows him to bank there and the Gap, Balenciaga, all these people ended their partnerships with them. Again, for me, I'm not here to get into the to certain aspects of, of that, but I, I want to say this. People were tripping because they were like Adidas owns the designs. There are two ways that I feel about that. What you don't know can hurt you. I'm led to believe that Kanye, from a business perspective, is smarter than maybe we giving him credit for. And if he's not, that's his responsibility. He got to own that. Like, so if Kanye at this point in the game, after doing business with multiple big brands over the last 20 years, is not wise enough to have a plan of action in place, whether it be he has more designs off to the side um, he's a he's a genius as it relates to fashion. Like we got to give him that at least. He is a genius. Whether you whatever else you think about him as it relates to fashion, this is a rapper who literally created the number one sneaker brand. He's rivaling Michael Jordan shoes as a rapper. Jay Z came out with some shoes back in the day. Them boys did not do that. So. You got to give him some credit from his designs, um, very futuristic. So he enters a partnership with Adidas, right? Kanye is in this partnership with Adidas. What does Adidas get out of it? We talking about what you don't know can hurt you. So I'm, I'm telling y'all this because so many of us seek deals with big brands because we think that's, that's the championship. We think that's the epitome of success. So when you look at what did Adidas get out of it? Kanye West changed Adidas. I could tell you nobody was rocking Adidas. Like, nobody was rocking Adidas like that before Kanye got there. So they leveraged him. They leveraged his popularity, his fame. I'm sure they represented his um, design genius, him and his team. I don't know the details behind who's creating these shoes and his fashion. But I'm telling you, Yeezys are some of the best shoes I've ever had in my life. They are both comfortable, stylish, simple, futuristic. Like they're different. Like they are like the Tesla of and Apple of sneakers to me. Like I'm talking about beside beyond Kanye the branding, they're just great shoes. So okay, he brought what he brought his design and his his cachet, his influence to Adidas. He gained a lot from that, and they gained a lot from it. Here's the reality of it. 
when Kanye went out and said whatever he said, which we're going to just assume was the equivalent of the N-word, he had to be smart enough to know that this could happen. And he had to be smart enough to have a plan in place. Again, whether he has more designs, he might feel like he ain't brought out his dopest stuff yet. I just believe like Kanye, like either he knows or what he don't, what you don't know can hurt you. So in either scenario, I think it's something we could take from this. When we look at this Kanye thing and we could say, all right, if I'm doing a deal, if I'm taking my brand or something I created, I got to understand how these companies work. You're going to work with them until you do something to offend them and you can be at zero and they could take whatever you did with them and they could sell it if that's how your deal is set up. So what I'm saying is what you don't know in business can hurt you. It is very important to try to get past the excitement of the fact that you are partnering with this large brand. And I'm saying this because I'm telling you, I didn't see many people. I know a lot of artists. I've been an artist myself. And when you are artists, you're trying to chase a record deal. I know artists who have had record deals and they led nowhere. But so many of us chase that like that is the end goal. And so my point with all of these things is we're chasing after things in ignorance because we don't really know how they work. And then when they don't work out, we want to point the finger at the company and we want to like think that our emotions matter. So now let's shift into thinking about cancel culture. So Kanye West says whatever he says, and I'm seeing him getting canceled. I'm seeing people burning up his shoes, like literally lighting them on fire. I saw that. Somebody lit his shoes on fire. Well, their shoes that they bought with their money. So that's also not really the the most wise things appreciate it so you burn up your shoes because he says something offensive then now people are saying they're gonna boycott not wear the shoes chase bank again don't allow him to spend money like he can't put his money in the bank he lose all these partnerships all right cool but here's the problem i have with, with cancel culture number one it's very inconsistent. Cancel culture is very inconsistent to me. It reminds me of if you set the speed limit on the freeway at five miles an hour and you look on the freeway and everybody's driving 25 miles an hour, but you just picking the people that you don't like personally and you saying, yo, you go to jail. You can no longer drive again, but everybody's going 25. You get what I'm saying? So Kanye says something offensive. I've literally watched sports owners right now. Robert Sarver, if you don't not familiar, look up Robert Sarver, the current owner of the Phoenix Suns. The NBA did an entire investigation on him and he was mistreating employees, calling them the N word, calling. I don't want to go too far because I, I might be mixing up certain reports. I know he was using the N word. All right, he started receiving some public pressure from the players and stuff, and he's going to sell his team. But here's the thing that's crazy. He's going to sell a team and profit likely billions of dollars because I'm sure the value of the Phoenix Suns has increased. I know that for a fact since he owned it. I don't know the year he bought it. So his penalty is sell your team, make billions of dollars potentially, and walk away. He's not losing his other business ventures. Um, you don't have people canceling his bank account. You don't have everybody burning up Phoenix Suns jerseys. 
He still owns the team today. The Phoenix Suns still play games today. I watched the same thing with Donald Sterling when he owned the, the Clippers. Okay, he received some public pressure um, to have to sell the team. He makes his billions. He walks away. He lives his life. Now, again, he said things. I'm black. He said very offensive things against black people. But to me, you don't have to go and cancel every part of people's life, not because I am defending what ignorant people do, but I'm saying we have to be careful about the precedent that we set because who is the moral judge in this court? Like, so again, the problem with this is there are no real laws around this stuff. These things are not constitutional. These are just people basically setting, you know, case by case rules based on their emotions. So, hey, I don't like what he said. Cancel his bank account. Hey, I don't like what this person said. Take them off PayPal. Hey, you know what? Ban him from Instagram because I don't like him. The problem, y'all, is I'm like, we canceling everybody. It ain't going to be none of us left. Like, what happens when you the person being canceled? What happens when, because think about it. We have, in the last year, I've seen people canceled based on their political views. I've seen people canceled based on their uh, medical decisions. I'm now seeing people canceled based on, you know, albeit uh, completely, you know, maybe offensive or ignorant uh, speech. But again, I thought we have freedom of speech in America. What I'm concerned about is the precedent that we're setting. I'm also concerned that the people who are pushing this, meaning the everyday public, we're doing it out of some level of ignorance of not really understanding what we're doing. And we're just following the lead of other people, following the lead of the media. And we're just saying, hey, yeah, that's right. Let's cancel him. Because emotionally, what? That feels good to me. I don't like what he said. I cancel him. Hey, man, I ain't here to defend nothing nobody's saying. But, I mean, are you that perfect? Like, who, who has never in their life said something that today in today's age would be worthy of being canceled. It's impossible y'all know to live a life without offending anybody. And so my problem with the precedent being set is, man, is it, let's just say racial or offensive language that we're concerned with? Well, if that's the case, like, all right, we just going to go cancel everybody. Then none of these owners should be able to own a team. Like, I just I'm I just think we're making a mistake by jumping on board with that mentality. Here's the other thing. When you get emotional, you get illogical. You're lighting up shoes on fire. So so let me say this. Y'all know how many like from a political standpoint in the world, like different countries have done We've been at war with countries. Things have happened. So a place like China, it's all like Russia, all these places, there have been things that happen, right? But you start opening up the tags and looking at, you know, go start tracking down on Google. Where are your gas and energy coming from? Uh, your oil coming from that you fill in your tank up in your car. Start looking in the tags and all your clothes. It's impossible to cancel everybody who deserves to be canceled. That's just an impossible way to live. Like, it's impossible. You won't have no clothes. Okay, I'm going to burn my shoes up every time somebody I don't like say something. 
Have you seen the Gucci movie? This is what's crazy to me. You watch that Gucci movie. You watch that movie about that family. They did some insane things. I think they did some offensive things. But I still see people proudly walk around with Gucci bags. I've heard things about Chanel. Last time I checked, we value Chanel bags. We value these brands. These people get to go and make their billions and continue to live their lives. But the moment that someone else does something that we find offensive, crazy, however else you want to categorize it, again, I can agree with you. All right, it's crazy. But man, like, can't go to the bank no more. So now here's the precedent we set. And we saying, in order to go to the bank, in order to have a job, in order to do anything, you have to agree with me. But I got a question for everybody, cancel culture. Who is me? Who is the person setting the rules? Where is the employee handbook on cancel culture? Is it just whatever emotion you wake up with today? Is it whatever you can post or whatever snippet or video you could take from somebody that goes viral? What qualifies? Because I want to know so that we can all start understanding what are the rules in this game that we're playing and who is the one that's setting the rules? Who is me? You have to agree with me. I am the king of cancel culture. But who am I? And what happens every day, people, when you don't agree? Let me tell you something. I've known a lot of people, got a lot of friends, associates, whatever it is. You tell me when's the last time you met a person and y'all agree on every single thing in the world. I don't agree with my wife on everything in the world. I don't agree with the temperature that she puts the heat on in the house. You get what I'm saying? So what type of relationship makes sense when one person, whoever that is, or one group of people gets to say, you either agree with us or we cancel you. I'm telling y'all, we setting a precedent that's dangerous. Dangerous. You feel me? Setting a precedent that's dangerous and impossible to live up to. I got an episode that said cancel me now. Look, man, I'm happy that uh like I, I don't I ain't whatever. Let's 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 keep it moving. Let me look at my notes. What else we got? Y'all gonna be mad. Y'all gonna cancel me for talking about this. All right, I want to talk about let's switch topics. I want to talk about this. Um, freedom is dangerous. And this whole idea came from really two things. Reading the Bible, Exodus chapter 16, um, back in like 2015 or 16 when I was studying this, it blew me away. And in Exodus 16, this is after the children of Israel have been set free. So, you know, we all like everybody know Moses, Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses said that. And then, you know, the, the children of Israel were free. And then Pharaoh kind of changed his mind and then sit um, his army um, to chase the children of Israel. And, you know, I think it might have been 14 and 21 in Exodus when Moses raised his staff and the sea, the sea was split and the children of Israel were able to walk across. And then as soon as they got across, the waters came in and drowned the people who were trying to trying to get them. So they found themselves free. Previously, they were literally slaves. OK, I know we think slavery only exists in one form or fashion in the world. And, you know, um, four four generations before us. But that's not the case. Slavery has been around for a long time. Unfortunately, a horrible thing. However, they were made free. Now, you would think that freedom 
is the absolute best thing we could ever want or desire in this life, right? So the slaves, were the, the, the children of Israel find themselves free. And the Bible says in Exodus chapter, four, uh, chapter 16 that four weeks, one month into being free, they started complaining. And you know what they were saying? They started complaining and saying, at least when we were slaves, we had food. At least when we were slaves, dot, dot, dot. I can't think of a reason in the world if I was just getting beat and I was owned by somebody and having to do physical labor that I would ever just four weeks later use the phrase, at least when we were slaves. But psychologically, it showed me a lot about uh, us as human beings and how we operate. And like we find ourselves in a scenario where it's like, yo, that's just how we are. We complain about slavery because it does say that they prayed for God to free them. So they, they were enslaved, prayed for God to free them. And then God sent Moses to come and free his people. And then they became free and just four weeks go by and they forget about the prayers they were praying a month ago. How many times do we do that? We praying for God to set us free because we have this idea of what freedom is. But what we don't know can't hurt us. Freedom ain't what you think it is. Most of us think freedom is easy. Freedom is dangerous. Freedom is where you are responsible for yourself. And it's completely up to you where you end up. Freedom is wild. <laughs> freedom, that's why they were in the wilderness, the wild. Freedom was wild. They probably were praying for freedom, thinking that they would just go off into the sunset, live in a nice, beautiful uh, 2,000 square foot hut, um, in the in you know in the middle of nowhere have uh the best tin cow garage um whatever whatever you need right but they got in freedom and realized it's just us out here and what they did was started complaining because what they didn't know hurt them what's my point my point is when i started reading that i started realizing in my own life that i got to be careful that when i'm praying for freedom that i also accept the responsibility that comes with being free that i also learn and make myself aware of what type of freedom am i going into when i say i want to be free what am i really saying i want because what i don't know can hurt me all right now let's transition to booker t washington's book up from slavery so booker t washington writes this book up from slavery his autobiography and Booker T. Washington was born a slave, but of course grew to be a very successful and influential black man. What's amazing is that at the end of chapter one in his book, he describes the day the slaves were set free. The day that it was announced to them, he described the very moment that it was announced on the plantation that the slaves would be free. Could you imagine being in bondage, being enslaved your entire life, being beaten abused, never taking showers, never brushing your teeth, like just like never having good clothes, never eating the best of food and being told that you are less than and you are not even a person. Could you imagine the day that somebody walked on the plantation and announced your freedom? Booker T. Washington described that. Here's what's intriguing about his description. You can read it for yourself in his book Up From Slavery. He said that he remembered the guy, I think it was an a, a army official or a serviceman of some sorts that came on a plantation and announced to them their freedom. I believe reading the Emancipation Proclamation. And he said for the first few hours, 
It was pure bliss, pure joy. They were so excited. He said his mother cried tears of joy because when they used to sing about freedom as slaves, he described, they were actually singing about freedom in the afterlife. And they were amazed and blown away by the, by the blessing that what they thought would have to come through death, God brought it to them in their lifetime. Freedom is dangerous. So the slaves were excited when it was announced to them that they were free because they had thought about all the work and all the pain that they had endured. And now we are going to be free. Now black people are free. And he said within a few hours, it went from joy to sorrow. Now, I want you to let that sink in that you've been a slave your entire life and you just received your freedom. And after about an hour of being joyful, freedom made you sad. And he said, this is Booker T. Washington, who was born a slave. This ain't me talking. He described this experience as the slaves started realizing the responsibility of freedom. Freedom is dangerous. What you don't know can hurt you. They started being afraid because they didn't have the least idea of what to do in their freedom. They had never had a job. They weren't equipped education wise. You couldn't read. You couldn't write. Write. No, couldn't write. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. That's like it, extremely funny to me. I don't. I'm not even gonna go with that joke, considering the sensitivity of the topic I'm talking about. But that is hilarious to me. So the slaves couldn't read and write, and they find themselves in a situation where some of the slaves actually decided to remain in bondage because. They were old, right? You 70 years old and you, you get set free. Freedom is dangerous. What you don't know out there can hurt you. So what's my point with that? My point is those two situations, both the situation in Exodus and the situation with the slaves, showed me that freedom is dangerous. And it's a responsibility. So if I want financial freedom or whether I want to go from, you know, for me, a lot of it was like, yo, I'm coming from the hood. I want to get out of this. I want to I want to get to a place in my life where I can make something of myself. But freedom is dangerous, bro. You're not just going to go out here like government assistance ain't going to do it. Government assistance ain't going to get you to greatness. And I know that might hurt. And you talking to somebody who grew up on government assistance. So I'm not looking down with or looking down at or talking ill of nobody who finds themselves in a time of need for that. But what I'm telling you is government assistance is going to keep you where you at. Government assistance is like the people who were enslaved that decided that freedom was too dangerous for them to embark upon. So they needed their master to guide them through their life. Freedom is dangerous. What you don't know can hurt you if you think if you are ignorant enough to believe that government assistance is going to push you into greatness, I want you to find me one book of one successful person in the world that ever said that the reason they became successful is because people gave them handouts. Never happened. They might have received handouts just like I have. Not down to nobody if you find yourself in a time of need. There is a need, a reason for that. Here's what I'm addressing, and I feel qualified to address this. Because sometimes publicly we just fake. Let's just, I'm just going to call it what it is. We fake. Listen, I'm really from, I'm really from Detroit. I'm like really from there. I really know how it is growing up on that level. 
here's what I learned growing up. A lot of the people are just taking advantage of the system. Not everybody. But they think they're taking advantage of the system and really the system is taking advantage of them. I'm going to tell you why. The reason that government assistance, and I'm using this as an example of a handout or us um, operating in a victim mentality because we receive, refuse to learn how to grow in these systems and how to like how to position ourselves to elevate beyond it. And many people do it. But what I learned is that a lot of these programs incentivize you to remain in your situation. You feel what I'm saying? Thanks, fam. Art Sock preached, bro. Some of them Israelites wanted to go back with, to that government. Yes, they did. They really wanted to go back. That is facts. Meech, what up, bro? Thanks. So here's what I learned is that a lot of us, like these, these programs incentivize us to stay where we at. So what happens is, I'm going to give you an example. This is just a hypothetical situation that a lot of people could relate to. Let's take like the EBT cards, which when I was a kid, there was actually food stamps. We used to get a packet of colored money. And I had this little trick, actually. I had this dope trick. I never heard nobody talk about this with food stamps. But, you know, food stamps, if, if you're a person out there that never had food stamps, it's like this, like, look like Monopoly money. But we love to see it coming. It came in books. It was like staple and you had to pull it out. Right. And the crazy thing about food stamps is you literally could only use them on food. So imagine if you wanted, you know, I don't know, you wanted some batteries to go on your Walkman back in the day in the gas station. You couldn't buy no batteries with food stamps. But here's what I discovered as a kid. This is how crafty you could be. I discovered that there is no food stamp version of coins. So whenever I got the food stamps, I always wanted the singles. Because I could take a single dollar food stamp, go buy a quarter bag of chips with one dollar. That's one transaction. Take another dollar, go buy a quarter juice. That's another transaction. Now, that's two food stamp dollars I had, spent 50 cent out of those, and then got my dollar 50 back in quarters that I could go do whatever I want. Woo! Hey, when you grow up on that system, fam, let me tell you something. When you grow up on the system, you are so crafty. You are so creative. You are so talented. And I'm telling you right now, dog, like, you way more creative and talented than that system can handle. So it's okay to be in that situation. It's okay to have food stamps or EBT. Man, I remember when I first saw an EBT card, I'm like, dang, they didn't put the food stamp on a debit card? <laughs> that is crazy. But when I was a kid, I learned that trick to turn them dollars into coins. And we are so creative. And let me tell you something. I was too creative to remain in that situation. Too smart to let myself have a cycle of a lifestyle of I'm on them, my kids on them, my kids' kids on them. It's okay if my grandma was on them. It's okay if the next generation was on them. They didn't have the they didn't have the opportunities I had, but it's opportunities out here. Freedom is dangerous, but you're gonna get out here and you're gonna embrace that danger and embrace what I call the hope of the unknown and go out here and live your life and make something happen. But instead of that, what happens is they tell us, well, in order to qualify for this, you can't make this amount of money. You, you can't be married. You can't have this many people in a household. So you know what I watch people do my entire life? I watch people alter their life to fit within the bubble to qualify for the assistance. You know how wild that is? 
people are literally saying, okay, wait, I can't be married. Okay, all right, yeah, we can't get married because I got to get these. Oh, uh, you know, uh, how many kids we, how many people we can, uh, what's the situation we could be in? Okay, I'm going to change whatever my situation is to keep qualifying for the assistance. DS Jackson, what up, fam? Growing up on that welfare system revealed hidden creativity, but we should not remain in the system. Amen to that. That's my point exactly. But it brings something out of you. But too often we throw away the skill set that, that poverty taught us. Man, it takes a lot of talent to grow up in poverty. I'm just being real with you. If you didn't grow up in poverty, you can't understand this. But I'm telling you right now, it was times I had two pair of jeans and four shirts. And think about this. If it's five days in a week for school, I got to make this work. How am I going to make these black? Okay, I'm going to hit the black jeans with the white T-shirt on Monday. Can't wear the black jeans on Tuesday. Let's go and hit the blue jeans on the Tuesday. Wear them with the red shirt. Now, Wednesday, we back to the black jeans, but I wore it with the white shirt before. But if I throw the black on with a black joint, that looked like a whole different outfit. You get so creative in poverty because you don't want to be talked about in school. I know y'all kids these days can't handle it. I ain't going to talk about that. We didn't want to get talked about. Then you know what else? You develop other skill sets. You know what my skill set was? I was a comedian. I will roast you. You could be a teacher. You could be another parent. You could be a student. My words would embarrass you. And y'all let me discover that gift when I was growing up. Like, oh, people are afraid of what you might say to them in front of other people. Once I let me, I'm just gonna be all the way real with y'all. Ain't nobody ever talked about me in school to my face. I wouldn't care if my my shoes was curling up like a cinnabon. Ain't nobody said nothing to me in my face. You know why they ain't say nothing to me? Because I discovered a skill set. I discovered that people were more scared of being talked about in public or being addressed in public or laughed at. Like they never mess with me. I ain't. I ain't, I was good to go. Thugs like me, whoever you was, you was cool with me because it's like, you know what? I might have a gun, but this guy has words. That's just how it worked, fam. That's how it worked. Uh, KD the Vessel, we want help but don't want hope. Hope changes your mindset. Help can keep you re relying on help instead of becoming help for someone else. I appreciate that, fam. Good stuff. Kenyatta Jones, live for God. Amen to that. Live for God. Sister Bridget, what's up? How you doing? So we're talking about this idea that you don't want to find yourself minimizing your life to qualify for assistance. It's okay to get assistance. But what I believe is that education is what frees people from assistance. And so my thing is, hey, get it while you need it, but let's learn along the way. What I'm not a fan of is if I was on assistance, then I have kids, then my kids get to an age and they own assistance. And then, they, and then assistance is all we know. It's like, come on, bro. Assistance can't be all you know. When are you going to learn something else? Because what you don't know can't hurt you. Appreciate it, DS. And we got to stop living around, walking around life. Listen, y'all, I'm just being real with y'all. They not coming to save you. Like, they, they not. They, like, these politicians... More power to y'all, like more power to the people that's good politicians out there. But I didn't just seen too many lies. I'm telling you, in the last three years alone, people changed. They like 
they stance on stuff left and right, and we waiting on them to save us, and it ain't going to happen. Meech says, I'm on kingdom assistance. Jesus' blood is my bridge. <laughs> oh, man, you got to appreciate the churchy people out here. Thank you, Meech, for bringing the churchiness there. All right, so here's what I want to uh, here's what I want to say. That system ain't Jesus at all. All right, so I know it's people out there that's saying, "All right, Jay, I hear you, but my problem is I don't have the resources they have. You know, I grew up in the hood. I grew up like this. I, I don't have that." All right, follow me, people. Follow me on this. I'm from the same hood. Ain't nothing too special about me. Um, I'm a normal person too. Here's what I realized at a fairly young age. I was like, all right, why everybody always talking about the problem? I find myself even now, even in my day job, um, in my corporate job, regardless, regardless of what I'm doing, I tend to be a solutions oriented person. So I get drained when people spend too much time glorifying the problem because the problem ends up becoming something that we just continue to feed. So it continues to grow. Not saying that the problem ain't real. Like, so follow me on that. You got, look, can I be real with y'all? Sometimes you got to take your, you got to take all the triggered emotions out of it when you get into a dialogue with me, because I'm really trying to get beyond the surface in a sincere and genuine way. Not a, not to offend people or whatever, but just to say, let's just be real. Cause this fake stuff bothers me. All this self-righteous hypocritical surface talk, it bothers me. I can't do it. I can't do it. So when I was younger and people were making glorifying the problem i had to make a decision don't remind me like don't remind me okay i'm black okay i'm from the hood okay i don't got this it's something in me and i'm sure you can relate that never wanted to be belittled i never wanted to look at myself as less than like you're not better than me because you have more than me you're not better than me because you live in a better place than me. You're not better than me because your your parents make more money than mine. You're not better than me because you get to wear, you got five pair of jeans and I only got two pair of jeans. You're not better than me because you got your first car before me. You're not better than me. Like that, my thing is like, yo, y'all could tell me every reason. And I, I feel like we live in a world today that wants to give you every reason and remind you for every reason why you shouldn't be doing something. Why you can't overcome things like, no, like that ain't what the Bible say. God didn't tell me to walk around the world inferior. That ain't what Daniel did. Daniel didn't do that when they were captured by the Babylonians. Like, no, like we, we talk about the Daniel diet. Let's go on the Daniel diet. Did we read the book? Do we know what that even means? Daniel was confident enough in what their diet was where he even challenged the diet of the Babylonians. He's like, no, like, yo, come back in however long and watch who's in better shape. That how did read the Bible and see how people got elevated in the kingdoms. They didn't get elevated because some preacher just walking up to you and saying, you elevated, you elevated. It's like Oprah, you get a car, you get a car. That's what we want. That like, that's what we want to believe. But what you don't know can hurt you. And I'm here to tell you, when you read the word of God, people rose above their situation. When David found himself walking in to a situation where the champion Goliath, a giant, was killing his people, and he went out there with a slingshot and five smooth stones and didn't even want to wear the armor because it was too big, how did he overcome if he was just a, a, 
a, a, a little boy um, tending to the sheep. Y'all got to read your word because what you don't know can hurt you. You will be walking around in this life uh, feeling inferior to everybody and everything and never getting anywhere because you are waiting to on somebody to save you who name ain't Jesus. What you don't know can hurt you. So my thing is this. Don't remind me of why I can't do something. Don't tell me because I read Frederick Douglass autobiography. I read Booker T. Washington's autobiography. And because everybody wants to remind me about slavery and tell me why, because my people were enslaved, what I can't do and what I'm the reason that I'm struggling. And everybody glorifies the struggle. So I went to the source. I'm like, well, let me go read what the slaves wrote. Bump what you say about slavery. I want to read what Frederick said. Bump what you talking about. You ain't never been no slave. You was born in 1990, bro. You ain't no slave. You wasn't even in civil rights. Time. Okay, cool. Let me go see what Booker T said. And y'all know what's crazy? Y'all know that when I'm reading the words of the, of the enslaved people who overcame it, those are the people that I'm hearing who did not let their situation stop them. These are the people who were slaves and taught themselves how to read and write. Don't sit up here and tell me what you can't do and you got YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, an iPhone, an iPad, a tablet, smart TVs. Like, come on, dude. The, the TV can't be smarter than you. It's people that'll watch seven seasons or something on Netflix and then wake up out of that and tell me what they can't do. Well, yeah, you just wasted 16 hours. Of course you can't do it. But I read the words of Frederick, Frederick Douglass. I read how important it was for him to learn how to read. Do you know that with, with Frederick Douglass, let's, let's talk about Frederick Douglass just for a quick second. What I'm trying to, the, the point of, of what I'm saying right now is that you could do less with more. You could do more with less. You could do more with less. Frederick Douglass was a slave. And at one point, I don't want to say this word because I don't know if social media is going to flag me or something. Um, the N-word, the N-breaker. There was this guy that was called the N-breaker, the Jigger breaker. Let's just call it Jigger. The Jigger breaker. The Jigger breaker. Not the Jigger, Jigger. The Jigger breaker. So this guy, what happens is, if you for their slave owner, for, for Frederick Douglass' slave owner, if if there was a slave that was too inspired that was that had too much hope that had too much belief that had too much faith they would send them to the jigger breaker in hopes of breaking their spirit see frederick Douglass was the type that'll fight his master so you got it like y'all ain't fighting bro y'all just oh they said cancel everybody on instagram i'm gonna cancel them okay they said go inject hot sauce in me i'm gonna just inject it like whatever everybody say y'all just do it but I'm reading the words of the slave. I'm reading the people that was there. And Frederick Douglass, they sent him to the jigger breaker. Woo! First of all, you got to ask yourself why they sent. You got you got to understand, like, only the best of the best getting sent to the jigger breaker. I should have I should have named this episode the jigger breaker. I might change it. Only the best. If you are doing so good, if you got so much potential that they feel like the only way 
to kill your faith is to go and sing you somewhere that's only going to remind you of how bad you are, only going to remind you of reasons why you can't become who you are. And the crazy thing about it is that's when they send you to the jigger breaker. What up, Gina? <laughs> so they sent Frederick Douglass to the jigger breaker. And the crazy thing is Frederick Douglass said he almost broke him. But he was able to overcome it. What's my point with all that? Frederick Douglass had so much potential in him that his slave master tried to send him to someone who specialized in breaking his spirit. And Frederick Douglass, regardless of the fact that he was a slave, regardless of the fact that they sent him to the jigger breaker, he became a person who was literally advising presidents. Taught himself how to read and write. Now you tell me. You tell me. You telling me you can't overcome something? Like, because, because it got a little hard? It's It's been tough for me too. Trust me, I've had my ups and downs in the last couple years. Life ain't all just peaches and cream. You get what I'm saying? But what I'm telling you is that it's something on the inside of you that the devil trying to send you to the jigger breaker. The world tried to send the saints to the jigger breaker. All last year, all the last two years on my podcast, I talked about being united by faith because I felt like the world was constantly reminding us of the turmoil of the racial tension of the 60s, the 50s and the 1400s to try to make us hate each other today. And I'm telling y'all, they might have sent you to the jigger breaker, fam, but there is potential in you to be greater and rise above your current situation. And if everybody else on the internet, if everybody else in the world is going to remind you of your trials and tribulations and tell you why you can't do something, I will proudly be on the, on the Inspire Guys People platform, the person that's going to tell you that you can break the jigger breaker. Y'all ain't trying to hear me, dude. You can break the breaker, but you got to do something. You can't just keep qualifying for the assistance and going back to your master. All right, I'm about to be done in a second. This idea of doing less with more, I want to make it really plain for you. I did a, a short video um, this week, and, um, you know, maybe a couple of y'all saw it. I put it on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. It didn't, the video didn't, it wasn't, you know, some of my video, I, I do a video, I do uh, 15 views, some do 1,500, some do 300. I really don't pay attention to it. Jigger breakers ain't breaking me, <laughs> the algorithm. Uh, let's see what you're talking about, Meach. Trying is hard, but necessary, but hard isn't wrong. Thanks for the encouragement. Yeah, man, for sure, bro. For sure. Try, listen, what you say? Trying is hard, but necess it's necessary. See, y'all got to break the breaker. Do you feel me, Gene? Like, See, here, here's the thing, Meach, before I go into my point. We got to understand why it's necessary. We live life where we only focus on us so much. Y'all got kids out here. You ain't breaking the breaker just for you. You ain't overcoming what's tough just for you. It's like, bro, you don't want your kids on the assistance. And it ain't because you just don't want them on the assistance. You need to teach them how to not be on the assistance. 
because you don't want your grandkids on the assistance. It's like, this is about your bloodline. When you read the Bible, the Bible is about a bloodline that leads to Christ and salvation. Everything that they were doing back from the days of Abraham to the days of Joseph to the days of David. That's why I used to get frustrated reading the scriptures and like numbers and stuff. There's like, and Akabab begat Shishkabab and Shishkabab beget potato salad and like all these names right and then i realized something i was literally thinking about this this week you need to understand where you came from so you can understand where you're going and so like this bloodline all them begat and begat this because look one of them i remember reading it and it was like somebody begat ruth and uh uh, then uh, somebody begat Boaz and all, and it, it led to David. It's like everybody always preach about Ruth and Boaz, about finding love. I get it. You want love. I get it. Everybody want love. But the true value in that is the bloodline that once Ruth and Boaz came together, those who were born from that. And I believe Boaz was maybe the son of Rahab. Rahab was the prostitute that had turned her life around in the days of the Joshua generation, making the deal with them because she let the spies come into her place in exchange for them saving her family. And then Boaz is her son. So if 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 Rahab doesn't have the, the fortitude and the wherewithal to turn her life around, she doesn't birth Boaz. If Boaz don't turn his life around and had a fortitude to understand, he doesn't get with Ruth. If Ruth don't have the, uh, the fortitude to follow Naomi, her mother-in-law, after her first husband died, because that's hard, right? If you, she lost her husband. She lost her family. But she stayed connected to the person that was in her purpose and in the will of God in her life. And that led her to the next best decision that led to the next best decision. And then you get David. Then you slay Goliath. But what if David wasn't born? What if for some reason somebody did not follow the purpose of their bloodline and we didn't get the person that was supposed to be the hero in the story? Got to break the breaker, y'all. All right, let me make a couple more points. So this idea um, that you could do more with less. I made this video this week and I broke this down. This is really quick. I want you to think about productivity in a different way. We tend to think about productivity based on um, the number. Like, hey, I want to be a millionaire. So you get people that's like, hey, if he's a millionaire and you only got $300,000, this person is better than you. They're more productive than you. They're closer to their purpose. Here's the problem with that. Let me give you this example. If I have a dollar, right? That's my starting point. That's That's what I have. If I have a dollar and I'm just trying to figure out how do I be productive with this dollar and I grow this dollar to a dollar 50, that's a 50% increase. Okay. That means my productivity, I've done something and turned like, like a dollar to a dollar 50. That's a huge jump. All right. That might sound low to you, but that's 50% increase. If the next person next to me has $50 and they turn that $50 into $60, here's the thing. What we do in the world today is we say he has $60 and you only has a dollar. You only have a dollar 50. He's better than you. What I'll say is I started with a dollar. I turned it to a dollar 50. My productivity rate right now is 
He had $50. He turned it into 60. His productivity rate right now is 20%. I'm doing better than him. I'm twice as good as he is. Because if I keep up this level of productivity over time, if I then turn my $1.50 into $3, okay, or I'm sorry, not, not $3, that would be at $2.25, I believe, $0.75. Cent. If I don't turn my $1.50 into $2.75, right, so on and so forth, if I keep up my productivity rate over time, I'm going to catch and surpass him. If I continue to produce at a 50% rate while someone else is producing at 20, they may have more than me today, but I can be end up with more than them. What I'm telling you right now is so what that somebody grew up on the right side of the tracks, so what that their parents had the right job, so what that they got the trust fund money or whatever else. Maybe one day you'll get to the point where you leave your kids one and I'll do the same. My point is it doesn't matter. You can produce at a higher rate with less and get to where God wants you to get. And maybe you don't even end up at a million dollars. Maybe you end up at $400,000. But we got to stop acting like, we got to stop being extreme even with success and acting like millionaires, the only pe happy people in the world. You a millionaire. Like, talk to somebody who makes $450,000 a year. I want you to have a conversation with them. They are not mad. <laughs> They're not mad at all. There are levels to success. Allow yourself to experience the levels. I know we got all these extreme examples on social media and people doing so good and they got Bugattis and Lamborghinis and all that. Like, oh, oh, I don't need a Bugatti. I don't. I, I just don't need it. it Great. Congratulations if you got that. But, hey, maybe, maybe I got a Honda Accord and it's the 2023 and it's amazing and fully paid for or whatever that's i don't have one by the way my point is we got to stop living at these extremes of comparing ourselves to everybody and thinking that if we don't have what they have we're not doing good no you might be killing it making 20 dollars an hour because maybe three years ago you was making 10 and you have 100 produced productivity over three years like like you have to give yourself a, a opportunity to grow but you know, what you don't know can't hurt you. Because if you don't know this and you walking around thinking that you got to be a millionaire and, and that's why people walking around depressed. It's like, do you know, in, in comparison to a third world country, the fact that you just got clean running water, you wealthy. But you walking around dep depressed and really you in wealth. Depressed as ever, but in wealth. All right, I got one last example and we're going to get out of here. Appreciate it, Meech. All right, so now I got to take it to the Bible. Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. This is called the parable of the talents, right? I'm going to bring this home. In the parable of the talents, what happens is first you got to understand that Jesus talks in parables so that those who have an ear can hear. So parables are written purposely in a way that everybody won't understand it. If you're not a true follower of the Lord, don't don't truly have wisdom in the ear. So if you don't understand a parable, you need to pray for understanding and wisdom because Jesus literally wrote them and talked to talk them in a way that is not intended for everybody to get it. The reason I'm setting the stage with that is y'all got to understand, like on this platform, it's about inspiring God's people. I am not trying to be everybody's cup of tea in the world. I'm not trying to like reach everybody in the world because I know that some people right now would rather just laugh at something or laugh at Kanye or 
crack a joke or whatever. And I told y'all, I'm a very silly person. I, I crack jokes all day, every day. But when it comes to my purpose, when it comes to inspiring you, when it comes to overcoming our situations, following Christ and living for him, I don't play. So here's the thing. In the parable of the talents, the very first thing to understand is that this example is written where the talents are a financial currency. So think dollars, right? Dollars, talents, pesos, wherever you're from, right? So here's what happened. There was a, let's call him a manager, right? So we don't use any trigger words and people get mad. There was a manager that left and left three, three people, let's say three employees with three different amounts of money. And I want you to go read this for yourself. I'm paraphrasing everything. Matthew 25 verses 14 through 30. This manager leaves and he leaves one person. We're going to talk dollars, but they were talking talents. Okay. I'm going to talk in dollars just so that it's something relative to today that we can understand. He leaves one person $5. Okay, cool. He leaves another person uh, $2. Leaves another person $1. There's an interesting line in there, and I'm not remembering it 100%, so don't quote me on the exact word. But basically, he gave them the money based on their abilities. Abilities might not be the word that's used in the Bible, so don't hold that against me, please. Thank you. So he first, this manager looked at the abilities and capabilities of each of them and said, based on what you can produce, I'm going to give you this. All right, cool. You got to understand this is in, in the real world. We all have different levels of skill sets. We all have different levels of capabilities. I know that we want to live in this politically correct world where everybody is the exact same person, copy and paste it uh, time and time again. But the reality of it is Shaquille O'Neal is much stronger than I am. The Rock can lift more weights. LeBron can jump higher and Steph Curry can shoot further threes. OK, that's just the reality of life. Have you ever been at the YMCA with me? No, you haven't, because I don't even play basketball anymore. It's been some years since I've even tried to prove to anybody that I was good, even though back in the day I was a fairly decent basketball player. What is my point? I didn't have the skill set to make it to the NBA. That's life. Life is not based on your emotions, and that's not fair. I, I want to go to the league. It's not fair. Let it go, move on, and do something else. So my point is, there were these different levels of capabilities. Interesting things happen. The person who was left with the $5 or talents, they doubled to 10. Okay, dope. You have five. When the master came back, the master was gone for some period of time, came back. They doubled to 10. The, the, this is what the master said to them. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. How many times have you heard somebody quote that in church? This is what's interesting to me. We be quoting the good part and missing out the, like we, we quote the faith part and, and leave out the work. There was a reason why the master said that to them. So if you want the master to say that to you, then that is has to be a reason why the master is saying to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few. I will make you ruler over many. Many. You got to know this because what you don't know can't hurt you. Then the same thing happened with the person that was left two talents. The master comes back and the person with two talents was able to turn that two into four. All right. I might have to I'm going I'm to have to pull out my let me let me get my uh, phone so I can get my Bible app, because for the person with one, I, I really want y'all to actually hear exactly what the conversation was. I don't want to. Um, I don't really just want to paraphrase it. 
because I think it's important. So this is, again, Matthew chapter 25. Uh, where are we at? All right, verse 24. Here's what, here's what he said. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid my talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. So, oh, I'm in the King James. My bad. That's, let's go to the New Living. Some of y'all like, knew thee, brethren, thee, who thine is. New Living Translation says it this way. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. <laughs> so you had two people who had more, and they doubled it. And the person with the least said, I was afraid. So I went and just buried your money and hid it. So now that you return, here's your money back. I'm giving you back what you left me. This is a pivotal point, y'all. I really want y'all to understand. Remember, I said this is a parable. So there's a deeper meaning beyond the money. So let's go to 26. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvest, harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Woo! Deposit in the bank and gather interest. Now, I take this as both ways, like financially looking and saying, I should be growing my income. I shouldn't just be sitting my money somewhere buried and it doesn't grow. All right? Because that's a literal example in this parable. But then also I started thinking about the gifts that God gave me and the talents that God left me with. And I'm saying, OK, when the Lord gives you a talent and he leaves, when he comes back and your time is up. If all you do is give him what he gave you, that ain't enough. God gives you a gift so you can go and gain interest. And I asked myself, like, well, what is interest then? Then I said, what does God want when he comes back? He wants to see that you used his gift. Because the Great Commission, right, is to make more disciples of all nations. So that means what, what Jesus is looking for when he comes back is that you used your gift to gain interest on the kingdom, which means your gift grew the kingdom in souls. And people came to Christ and followed their purpose and followed their path and, and found their way back to God. Simply not because of you, but because of you using what God left for you. Because when God comes back, he wants interest. But some of us have gifts, we have talents. And because we're creating excuses, we're just burying them in the earth. We're saying, oh, because you didn't give me enough or because I'm just born in the hood. I'm from Detroit. I'm on the east side. I'm on seven mile. It's dangerous out here. So because you gave me that and now that I'm going to just hide this talent, I'm going to just bury this talent. I'm not going to inspire your people. I'm not going to go out and tell nobody about it. Oh, because it's too tough because the world, nobody wants to hear inspiration now. They just want to hear jokes and nobody like, like uh, I only got a, a small amount of followers. I don't, I'm not, my videos don't go viral. So I'm just not going to talk about inspiration. No, I'm going to talk about it to the 10, to the 15. If I could turn 15 into 30. If I could turn 30 into 60, 60 into 65, I don't care, fire, whatever it's going to take, that's what I'm going to do to gain interest with my gifts to draw more people to Christ through this gift that's going to push them to their purpose. This is Inspire God's People, where we balance faith and business to do what? Guide you to your purpose. I ain't worried about going viral, fam. 
<laughs> I'm just worried about one of y'all. What up, Shanae? I ain't like that. Like what I'm saying is what you don't know can hurt you. If you walking around thinking that you got to go viral to be impactful, if you going to walking around thinking that you got to wait till you a millionaire to have, um, you know, some value in this world, then what you don't know can hurt you because you don't know the right thing based on the word of God. That's why I believe in going to the word of God to find my validation, my value, my affirmation, because that is what's going to make me who I need to be. You feel me? Not going viral. Viral? Yeah, like, why do we even... Like, why? Who cares? Um. So that's the parable of the talents. Um, hopefully y'all have gained something from this episode. What I'm really hoping is that you understand that what you don't know can hurt you. It's important to put some time aside to whether you're reading books, read the word of God, dive deeper into finding your purpose. And I'm telling y'all the best time to do it is times like now when it's a recession or the world is in an uproar and all this uncertainty because on the other side of this uncertainty is going to be prosperity. I talked uh, recently, I did another video. Uh, I got videos and content for days, but did a video about um, the story of Joseph and how Joseph um, used his gift to interpret the dreams of Pharaoh. And that led him from uh, the, the prison to the palace. And he um, had this plan about you know, growing um, and surviving during the famine. He basically used the, the seven good years to deposit 20% uh, of the, the food and the crops that they received in those good years to store up and be how they get through the bad years. And so what I'm telling you is that we might be in some bad years. You might be in a reverse of that where you starting off with the, the bad years, um, but then it's going to be prosperity on the other side of it. So regardless of all the fear and the things in this economy, it might hurt for a while. There may be some down stages or whatever, but it's not going to be like this forever. So right now is the time to plan and to strategize, to prepare to come out of it, even if it's rough, not right now. And I know I might not know everybody's situation. I'm not you. Maybe it wasn't as hard for me or maybe you like, yeah, but you don't get it. You don't understand. But God does. Jesus went to that cross. I'm telling you, he understands. So maybe I don't. But your answers are in him, in Christ, in his word, not in the media, not in the next look it's an election the midterms coming up in a couple weeks man it's just anytime election time comes there's a lot of um division i just it, i sent like see it out of nowhere division because it has to be that east side versus west side mentality republicans versus democrats and if we're fighting against each other then people are pinning us against each other so they can get the votes they need but I'm telling you, man, I done saw people go in and out of office. I done seen Republicans in office and you were still broken. A Democrat came in office and you was broke. And the only thing changed is the narrative behind it as to why you broke. But you still broke or you still you still ain't found your purpose or wherever. And it's like, I'm not saying that to be negative, but I'm saying at some point, don't you realize it ain't it don't matter who it is. The answer, you got to you got to do something. Faith without works is dead. Thanks, Shanae. You got to do something. And the problem with us is we looking for somebody else to solve our problems. But I'm telling y'all, man, like, yeah, like in Christ Jesus. But even in that faith without works is dead. Like this is what I'm trying to get you to see. Even when you find yourself going to the one who has all the answers, there is work for you to do. The Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. We want to be given stuff without the requirement to do anything, but that's not reality. And if you don't know that, it can hurt you. 
because then you end up foolishly just running around a church or throwing money at a preacher. And it's like, yeah, okay. He made a good point. So I saw a video today and it's like, I'm, I'm not saying this to be critical. I'm just, I just feel like if you're not real, it's never going to change. You feel what I'm saying? So it's like, yo, I'm watching the video and like my man was making a good point. If I'm being honest, like I like what he was saying, but it was like, I watched this lady run up and throw some money at him. I was just like, this junk. Ain't nobody going to say it. It's just weird, bro. I'm going to say it. It's weird. Like We got to stop doing weird stuff in church. Like, I'm not saying this to criticize the church. I'm saying this because I'm part of the church and I love God and I don't want us to be misrepresented. And I get tired of seeing videos float around on the Internet that misrepresent church. And then they make movies about the church to make a fool out of us. And it don't even bother us. We go see it. You feel what I'm saying? And it's like, when is somebody like, all right, I guess ain't nobody, I guess the pastors ain't going to say it. None of the, nobody going to say it. So it's going to be some dude on the podcast. I'm going to just say it. And, and people are not going to like me because I say it, but it's like, I'm saying it out of love. Like we got to stop being weird. Like people know when you weird, you know what I'm saying? Stop doing all these little weird antics and making videos, climbing on each other. And like, I done, I done seen so many weird church videos through the years on, on YouTube and stuff. And it don't even be funny to me. It'd be embarrassing. Like, Stop doing all that weird stuff. Stop sharing that. Stop supporting that, man. That stuff don't make us look good. And it's not representative or reflective of God's true word. Ain't nobody got to do all that weird stuff. You don't got to be weird to be godly. You don't got to be. Some people be trying to be so deep. Y'all just be doing stuff like if, if you know, if I just sit here and do this right now, that don't mean nothing. If I go to work tomorrow and go in the office, and be like, woo, they're going to be like, all right, man, you're going to. You gonna go to the meeting or, or you gonna just what, what you doing, King Kong? Like we be doing weird stuff in church, and it's just like it don't work. People know when you weird, fam. They do. Like some people walking around weird, like bro, you 22, you talk like you 40. Like, we don't gotta be. I'm not look, I know that there is a depth to spirituality, but I'm saying some of us just be trying to convince ourselves that we deep, and you not. You not deep because you did this when you was talking. You not deep because you made your voice deep. And um, I believe that it's like, man, you 22, bro. Stop doing that. You 22 years old and you don't even talk. You about to listen to Rick Ross in the in the car and you come in here talking about and then the, then the beginning. I just be feeling like the wildest people be doing that too. Like the, the churchiest people be the wildest people. Like it just be weird to me. Like how you churchy in here and then like you don't even leave good tips at the restaurant. That's godly. Like that's godly. The Bible talk about stuff like that. You see somebody in need, give them a coat. Like don't tell them good job. Like don't do this. I'm going to be quiet now. This one I get to like when <laughs> y'all got to understand when I get to talking like this, like you feel me me like when I get to talking like this, y'all y'all get me in a in a space where this this is how people be getting canceled, man. I got to I got to be quiet. I'm I'm about to shut up, but like my whole point at the end of the day is faith without works is dead. So like all this weird stuff is dead. It's dead. I'm going to just start saying that. Like <laughs> bring in the same. <laughs> oh, Gina. Look, I got all the, all the, uh, all the people sticking around. Y'all my, y'all my worst uh, social media friends, family, whatever. Like y'all the worst. Cause y'all the ones that's going to have me out here uh, getting escorted out of uh, Facebook, but no, like all, all, all I could, I can talk, family. 
at the end of the day, all I'm saying is this, man, like we could be genuine and be saved and like we don't got to be weird. You don't got to be a weirdo. And that stuff be turning people off. Like I'm just being real with y'all. Like it turned me off. When I see a dude preaching and he 23 years old and he acting like he 46, I'm like, dog, I don't want to look 20 years older than I am. Like, I don't want to do it. Now, let me deal with the end of that, because since I said this, now I got to say the other side. On the flip side, we got to stop doing weird stuff to try to, like, win people in. I don't do weird. That's the thing. Like, I'm not trying to be no type of way to win nobody. Like, I'm not I'm not I'm not doing it. <laughs> Ken, what up, bro? Like, oh yeah, you came right back in time. Like, I'm not about to be weird to try to win people to church and to God because, like, that's weird too. Like, all right, I want you to look at this. This is the easiest way I could tell you. Look at your Christian walk, like everything else. If you want to be somebody's friend, and you start doing weird stuff to get their attention, they know you weird. If you start, imagine if, all right, let me just use this example. Like, let's just say. Me and you meet each other and you are the type of person that you are from like the country. Let's say I saw somebody on here. They said they was in Texas. Uh, so if that person's still on here, you in Texas, y'all wear you got cowboy boots and y'all root for the Cowboys. You got a cowboy hat on. Right. I'm from Detroit. I'm from the Midwest, bro. Like sometimes I'm casual. Sometimes I'm sporty. That's my vibe. Like I'm like a sporty casual type person. Like, but I like to keep it clean and plain. Like I don't really. You know what I'm saying? If I wear something loud it might be a jacket loud the whole rest of the outfit playing like i'm not coming in with the whole gucci from head to toe i'm not doing I'm, i don't that's not my vibe but what if you met me and i had a certain vibe and you was around me like okay i see how he dressed at work i see how he went to the show okay he just had on a nike jogger he was chilling and then let's say we become friends and i'm like hey in order to win him over as a friend like now i walk in i'm, I'm balenciaga from head to toe i'm dressed like you i hate when people do that you only gonna want to be my friend if I change my whole vibe and I'm thinking like, no, nah, bro, like I could tell you weird, bro. I could tell you just dressing like me. Like, stop. Be yourself. Stop being weird. Like, and what I mean about that specifically is like a lot of times as Christians, like it'd be like stuff like, you know, I, I was a Christian rapper. I'm saying was. I still make music, but I was. I never tried to like listen to drake and then like remake a drake song into a like a christian song i ain't even listen to drake first of all so it's like okay like that was the first part i wasn't listening to drake i wasn't like a fan of drake trying to be a church version of him but i'd be seeing that and i ain't taking a shot at people but i'm saying like that junk weird because like my friends in the world think it's weird that like because when people get a life to christ they really looking for something different. They not looking for the same difference. You feel what I'm saying? Like, imagine if you dated all light-skinned dudes, ladies, and you was like, you know what? I'm tired of it. I want I want a, a, a dark-skinned dude. And then you meet a dark-skinned dude that walk around and, like, he got makeup on to look light-skinned. It's like, no, you was looking for something different. That's how it is when people come to God and they've been listening to Rick Ross. They've been listening to Drake. And they come to God and they want something different and you flake. And it's like, bro, like you flake, you dress like him, you acting like him. You ain't you. Who are you? They're not looking for an alternative. They're looking for the truth. That's facts. So that's my whole thing is like, we just got to learn how to be authentic. And I think 
you know, if you know that, you know what I'm saying? If you know better, you could do better. Social media has made us all weird because we living in this weird competition with each other. And it's like, yeah, flake, fam. You flake. You flake. You're not Drake. Come on, man. And so my whole point is like, I just think it's weird to think that the world sets the tone either way. I don't know. Maybe I'm tripping. Like, I'm just the kind of person that's like, I'm me. Like, I dress how I dress. I switch it up. I Like, I'm on my vibe. Like, I'm not you. So I'm not trying to be you. I'm not a clone of somebody. You got to bring your original flavor to life. So I'm saying all this to say, as you're going on your journey to find your purpose, that's what Inspire Guys People is here to do. That's what this platform is about, providing content to pull out, pull greatness out of you and not just be uh, like, I'm not trying to be somebody else. Like, this ain't that show. Like, I ain't them. So it's like, on some real stuff, it's like, yo, if you want to watch them, you got to watch them. Like, I'm really not them. And I'm not going to try to be them to get more people to watch me. That's when stuff get weird. Like, we doing all this weird stuff because of the algorithms. And I get it. Like, when you creating content, you want it to reach the most people that relate to it. But that's the algorithms just work how they work. That's the build, that's the business deal we in when we come on social media. It's like you signing up for the weirdness of that. But I'm not about to change who I am. I don't care if my video never get more than 40 views, fam. I, I told y'all I had a post this year that got 150,000 shares. It means nothing. Like it meant it meant nothing. I didn't know most of the people. Like it didn't change my life. Like now I get it. Some people can go viral and get millions of followers and they make millions of dollars. But even that come with something. There's always a trade off. Just like we talked about with Kanye and all these people. You got to understand the trade off. You go viral. You start making money. Then you got to say what these people want you to say. And the moment you don't say it, you lose everything. That's a business transaction you signing up for. That's not what I'm interested in right now. Like, I'm not looking for just like some deal like, oh, I'm a, my podcast going to be spicy and I'm going to talk about all this weird stuff so people can like me. Like, no, bro, I'm really working behind the scenes. Like, I'm really working. I don't care if y'all don't. I don't care if my video. Listen, I'm not even going to say that. I'm What I'm trying to say is I'm trying to really have I'm really trying to be who I am. I'm not trying to get validation to get permission from millions of people to be me. And we live in this weird world where that's happening now. The world setting the tone, they really are, bro. But it's because we live in this weird world where like we don't know the word. So it's like all we know is the world. When you don't know the word and you looking at the world to affirm you, what you don't know can hurt you. So it, it starts guiding how you make decisions but nobody's really talking about like you don't got to do all that weird stuff like i told y'all earlier find somebody that make four hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year and ask them like the crazy thing is i be knowing successful people like really successful people and you look at their facebook and stuff they be having like 30 friends they be looking like the wackest facebook person in the world it's probably one of y'all watching right now you look whack on facebook i'm just here to tell you like your profile is trash but you rich, you successful, you wealthy, you doing your thing, but we can't see it. And so we live in this weird paradigm and parallel universe on here where we really think that this sums up real life. It doesn't mean that, yes, some people on here are successful. I'm not, I'm not taking shots at nobody, 
But what I'm saying is that doesn't sum up all of life. So like, let's say in, if you got an influencer that's like, oh, you follow, let, let's make it real, right? I want, I want to make this so real for y'all. You got an influencer you following and they, they a millionaire. They talk about how they a millionaire. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Cool. You see their car, like you see their house. They, they look good. Like, come on, dog. Some of these cameras, like they be having good cameras. Like, I know what it's like. Like, you got, you got a good camera. I'm telling y'all, I know how to make. If I was like these people, I could make something that ain't even that dope look dope with the right camera angle. It's like the resolution on these cameras. Don't it be seeming like some of these influencers like, dang, you like, I got the iPhone. Why your junk seem clearer than mine? The phone seem clear. The skin seem clear. Like they shoes, the bottom of their shoes ain't dirty like your shoes dirty. They, they dog look cuter than your dog. The dog got a haircut. Like, it's like the trees at their house look way better than the trees at your house. Like, your trees look trash when you comparing it to your favorite influencer that got 20 million followers on YouTube or some couple that you watch on some reality show. It's like, dang, like, all right, man, dang, I got the I got the body job, and she, and she got the body job, but dang, my junk, my body look like it ain't got no job. Like, her junk look good. Like, Dang, I've been doing sit-ups and like why his abs look like that? Like how they get the how they make it glisten? How how he make the how he make the ab glisten? And so it's like we just find ourselves in this weird world where like we all doing like we looking on these profiles, and this stuff has become life to us. This stuff has literally become like all things of like, and so you walking around depressed, but you really blessed. Like you could be making 350. God might have a plan for you to just go in your real life and make 350,000. You can turn like 350,000. You can you can invest that properly. Like you can you can be straight. But the problem is we have allowed the standard to be the fantasy of the world. So God can't do the real work in you because you're not letting go of the fantasy. Listen, Shanae, I'm trying to help y'all. So here, here's, here's what I want you to think about. In Samuel, um, is it 1 Samuel 17, maybe? Uh, don't quote me on where it's at. David, I think it's 1 Samuel chapter 17, if I'm not mistaken, off the top of my head. Samuel was looking for a new king, right? Saul was the king. He was being dethroned by God himself. And Samuel was charged to go to Jesse's house to anoint the new king. He gets to Jesse's house, asks Jesse to see all his sons, get some tall, handsome dudes come out, all David's older brothers. And Jesse is like, here they go. Like, which one is it? And Samuel's like, no, this ain't like, this ain't it. Something wrong. He had got through all the boys and like something wrong. And here's what's crazy. Jesse was like, I mean, well, it can't like, well, I got a young boy, but like he out in the field, like he ain't. He ain't this. Samuel goes out. Young David is in the field tending to the sheep. Yeah, this this him. This him right here. Anointed him as king. About 15 years old or so. And I'm saying that to say to you, that's how it operates. All these influencers, the Instagram, like all of us, we all can create these profiles to we look like David's older brothers. But the one that God is looking for is the one that's doing the work. It's literally in that chapter 
where Samuel says that God, God might have told Samuel, don't quote me on that interaction, but just read first Samuel chapter 17 yourself. This is where it said that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so you're seeing through this story of David, this beautiful depiction, like through this example where God is literally showing you, you're looking at all the people that look the part, but I'm looking for the person that knows the part. See, a lot of people be looking like it, but David was out there. Mm, you can look like a king, bro. But the king, what God is looking for you is that king's substance. Because David, had, I'm going to give you an example. When David had gone up and volunteered to go out to go against Goliath, David actually referenced his time in the field. And David is like, y'all got to understand, I've taken down a, a, a bear with my bare hand. A bear with my bare hands. I always got bars. Can you understand? A bear with my bare hands. A stand with some sin stands. Oh, y'all about to, I'm about to turn this off and turn on the music studio. We about to, we about to start rapping. A bear with my bare hands, just give me my fair chance. I know that the mm, mm, with the mm, 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 just give me my fair chance. I stand on my st stand, I stand on my stand. Anyway, all right, we back to it. That's really a bar. But David referenced that situation. And so God knew that what he was doing with David, there were going to have to be some experience in David, some substance in David, because when you find yourself in situations in life, it's the substance in the experience that you can pull on to get you through. But a person that just looked apart, the they don't have the experience in them. So when they get in the situation, so had David, one of David brothers been, been the king, been anointed as the king, he would have found himself in some king situations and he would have had nothing to draw back on to get him through. But because David has spent that time out in the quiet in the field, tending to the sheep, protecting the sheep, he was already a king when he was in the field. And I'm just trying to tell y'all, you got to know that when you in the field and when you doing what God called you to do, it might not be getting a lot of likes. Nobody might not be seeing it. Ain't nobody making a big deal out of what you're doing, but God sees you in that field and those experiences that God has given you in that field that ain't nobody see. Like we know that the Bible says, I believe in Matthew chapter six, like, you know, what you do in a secret, God can reward you openly. We always look at like what, what's done in the dark will come to the light in a negative sense. But yeah, also the work that's done in the dark gonna come to the light. Like you gotta know that. Like we see... We, what you don't know can't hurt you. If you don't know the word of God, it can hurt you. And I'm telling you, like, the work that you putting in that ain't nobody seeing, stop trying to make them see it. Stop trying to go viral. Just do the work. I'm telling you, I'm not telling you something that I'm not doing. Go look at my videos. Go to my YouTube page. Be my 263rd subscriber. That's all good. We only had 100 and something two months ago. See, my thing is, like, I ain't really... I'm not really into the whole like, oh, let's get to a million tomorrow because I want to fake like I'm something I'm not like. No, let's just do the work. This is episode 179. I really got almost 190 episodes out, y'all, because we did some half episodes and some other things early on. 
Go to Apple Podcasts. Look at Inspire Guys people. I've been doing this for four, four years over. Like, like this ain't new. Like, this is we in the field. I'm really trying to tell y'all we in the field, Shanae. And I'm telling y'all this. Let's just do the work. I'm telling you this so that you can go do the work. And if you in the field and I'm in the field and God is going to reward us in the light one day, then I'm expecting to see you in a couple years and be like, oh, you oh, okay. Like y'all realize a couple years from now, two, three years from now, whatever the next wave of successful people or whatever is happening, like even if it's success behind door closed doors, because some success happens behind closed doors, you don't really know the most successful people in the world. Let's just let's just say that. Like all the real billionaires, I was looking at the top billionaires in the world and uh last week, and I'm like, I, I literally know none of these people. Like none of them. Zero. I don't know these people. How are you the richest person in the world in low key? And we get $60 and everybody on Instagram know it. The richest person in the world is chilling low key and you, whatever, maybe not a couple of them, the Elon Musk of the world, those people. But I'm saying when you really look at that list, it might be one or two of them, you know, the rest of these people, you don't know. You literally don't know. Them. And I said in the world, not the U.S., all right, y'all, this was amazing. I appreciate y'all for tuning in. Please check us out on YouTube. Subscribe to Inspire Guys People. Check us out on Apple Podcasts. Check out the archives. I've done a lot of great interviews with different CEOs and um, different artists and, and people who have amazing stories. Uh, we've talked about a lot of things, a lot of topics that are intended to guide you to your purpose. Inspire Guys People is actually formatted in a way where you are, it's, it's, created in a way where if you go back and start at episode one, you will actually start going on this journey. And it's like this course, almost this, this course in journey and self-development to get you closer to your purpose. We're not just here to say something to get you hyped one day and then don't do it tomorrow. This is really about consistency and the people who are willing to be consistent and go on this journey with us. We're going to be the ones when we look up in a few years. Again, we're not talking about going viral. We're not talking about just money. We're talking about purpose and being who God called you to be. If you're supposed to be David, we want you to be prepared for the kingdom. If you're supposed to be Joseph, we want you to be prepared to go in that kingdom and that second in command to bring your family along with you. If you're supposed to be Daniel, we want you to be equipped in the lion's den. If you're supposed to be Moses, we want you to be equipped to go back and save your people. If you're supposed to be Joshua, we want you to be equipped to take over from Moses and like be there in that time, in that season to take it forward. If you are supposed to be Job, we want you to be able to endure whatever you're called to go through or so that you could come out of it and have even more. At the end of the day, we are here to live our life in the purpose that God created us to do. Nothing less, nothing more. But if you don't know that, it can't hurt you. So what I'm going to do, man, like I got to I gotta really, uh, oh, Fred Abney, what's up, sir? We're saved because we, listen, hey, bro, I'm going to leave that comment up for a second. Y'all do realize, like for those of y'all who stayed on here, like, your life is better. Like, it's not even a game. I I literally feel like there's no way that you watch this whole episode and something better ain't get sparked in you. Like, yeah, because you because you watch the podcast. Like, I'm trying. I really be trying to tell you all that we about to get out of here. I'm going to play the um, I got to play the video as an outro one more time just because I like it. You know, it's the intro video, but like just at least one time. Why not? Stop saying what you gonna do till you do what you said When you opened that Bible, you knew what you read You felt it deep in your soul The promise did not expire Be inspired 
I can see beyond the tears you cry And the pain you feel I saw every hill you had to climb Just to make it here When you say you ain't afraid to die Is it fair?